Welcome to Centerpoint Church, where we're all about loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. We're so excited that you decided to join us today, and we believe that no matter where you're listening from, this message will enhance your connection with Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Wow. You know, I come from an Italian family. I I think my voice is loud enough, but I guess it's not. So um, anyways, okay. Well, I'm going to shout for up on the stage. Woo! There we go. All right. (laughs) It's good to see you guys today. I'm excited to be with you. My name is Pastor Rick, and I'm the executive pastor here, and excited to be with you today. Um, I'm Right now, I'm currently the the old man on campus. Um, we, We had the kids running the show the last two weeks. Brenda and Pastor Aaron did such a great job, right? They're amazing. Yes, give them a hand. And now you get to hang with an adult today, okay, for a little bit. No, I'm, I'm totally kidding. I'm just kidding. I love them. Um, anyways, it's so good to, to be here today. Okay, so I'm going to share some big family news. Is that okay? Can I share some big family news in my life? Do I have everybody's permission? Is that okay? All right. So yesterday, don't show it yet, guys. Don't, don't show it yet. But yesterday... Um, a big family moment happened for me and my wife. Our daughter, Katie, got engaged. Check this out, right there. And then there's Katie and her fiance, Craig, so exciting. And then here's our whole family, our son, Jonathan, on the far left, our daughter, fiance, my beautiful wife. And so there we are, there's our family. Big family news! Pray for me. My savings account's about ready to be depleted, so um, I'll be in prayer for the wedding season. Um, But anyways, we're very excited for her and Craig. Um, That has absolutely nothing to do with the message. I just wanted to tell you a little bit about what's going on in my neck of the woods. Um, But today I'm going to be talking about margin and the importance of margin in our life. We've been in this great series called Making Room, and we talked about not being bothered, but really making room for those moments when God wants to step in and do something great. And we talked about making room for the one thing last week for Jesus. We've heard some great messages. And so today I want to talk about margin. Like, how do we actually do this? How do we actually make room for these things that matter most in our life? Now, maybe you've been like me. These last few weeks for me have been a bit full. My plate has been full in terms of calendar, but we're also renovating our house right now, and so I'm playing the role of general contractor, so I go home at night, and we're basically doing house stuff, and it just feels like life has been a bit full at the moment, nonstop, and so my wife and I said, you know, we're going to do something fun. We're going to take a little margin, a little break, and we're going to hang out with 30,000 other nerds. Doesn't that sound amazing? And so we decided last weekend, last Friday and Saturday, that we were going to go to Star Wars Celebration, and we got to meet C-3PO. Come on, put that photo right up there. Look at that face. Look at me. I'm like a little kid who just saw his childhood hero. I don't even know what to do with myself, and, uh, but we got to meet Anthony Daniels and just have fun with Star Wars fans and just taking a margin, a break, and having a good time. Anybody out there just need to have fun sometimes? You just need to get away from it all and just have a good time. Well, today, we're going to talk about the importance of margin in our life, taking space for the things that matter most. Everybody here has seen a book, right? We've all seen at least one book in our life. Many of us read books all the time. Some of us um, maybe listen to books, but... If you have your your Bible with you right now, or you have any book with you, I want you to look at it real quick, or maybe think of a book. What does every book have around the edges? Margin. Margin. 
every single book. This is because years ago, psychologists realized that if people couldn't process if words ran to the edge of the page. So in other words, you have to have margin there to be able to process what you're reading. It's not just for note-taking. It actually allows your brain to process the things that you're reading. So every time you see a book and you see a margin, I hope that it reminds you of what we're talking about today, the importance of margin in your life. If your life runs to the edge of the page, there's not enough room for you to process what it is that God's doing in your life. You see, everyone has a breaking point. Every one of us has a point at which we've gone too far or we've gone over the edge or we, we know we're not living the life we were destined to live or we feel like we're in the danger zone. And I'm not just talking about the incredible Top Gun 2 movie that just came out, little plug, sorry. Um, I, I don't usually plug movies, but wow. Um, but anyways, um, there is a danger zone that all of us get to. It's when we're running on red, when that RPM meter is running on red and your engine's about ready to blow. And so engineers, civil engineers, when they design buildings and bridges and different things that we just walk into and take for granted, they actually design it knowing what the breaking point is. They know how far that structure can go before it comes down. Think of God. God is the engineer of your life. He's engineered each one of you in a certain way. He knows your breaking point. He knows how far you can go before things come down. And so my hope today is that you'll be encouraged to maybe get in tune with that breaking point a little bit more and know when a margin is something that you need in your life. You see, we're not wired to operate near or at the breaking point of life. God didn't create us that way. Yet too often we operate on the edge of burnout or the edge of danger. Yesterday at my house, I was living on the edge of danger, you guys. Let me show you what was in front of my house. Right there, right in front of my house. I was very afraid. I wish I could say I did the manly thing and went and, I don't know, did something to that snake, but I didn't. Um, But I was very grateful for this next photo. There was margin between me and that snake. See, he wasn't as close as maybe you thought. He was still too close for my comfort. But yes, that is a Western Diamondback, which I found out by Google that it is responsible for more snake bites in America than any other snake. So that was a little scary. Um, But anyways, I was so thankful for that margin. If I was right up on that snake, it would have been bad news for me. And many of us in our life, we're living right up on the edge of danger and we don't even realize it. My hope this morning is that we would all seek to make room for margin in our life. Definition of it in the dictionary says that margin is a limit in condition, capacity, beyond or below which something ceases to exist or be desirable or possible. It is a border or an edge. In other words, it's the boundaries at which the Lord designed us to play in. God has wired us and created us for margin in our life, and yet we often don't take time. You see, without room in our lives for the Lord to shape us, for the Lord to be the one that speaks into us, 
without creating space to hear from him and to do the things that he created us for, all of a sudden something happens to each one of us in this room. Without realizing it, the world and the culture around us begins to shape us. And we begin to look more like maybe not God intended us to look. In fact, let me give you an example of this. I have this candle that's in my office. And um, this candle was given to me by Pastor John. And Pastor John gave it actually a candle to all of our staff before he left on sabbatical. And it was symbolic of keep the light burning. Keep burning the light for Jesus. And so, um, so my candle at one time was a beautiful candle. You can see it right now. It's gotten a little awkward. People make fun of my candle now. And it is because in my office it gets really hot. So I turn the air conditioning up which affects other people in the office. I feel sorry for them. They come down to my office and say, can we please turn the air down? Um, But as the air's swirling around my office, what I didn't realize over the last few weeks is my candles slowly begin to take the shape of the conditions in my office. And it began to become distorted and kind of weird looking. And now it's become like the joke in my corner of the office building. You have the weird candle, Rick. And so... Um, as this candle became distorted because of the conditions, the wind, and I didn't even realize that all of a sudden one day I looked and I'm like, oh my gosh, what happened to my candle? That's what happens with us. We don't even realize that the conditions of the world around us begin to shape us into something. And without even knowing it, we get to a point where all of a sudden we feel like something's off. And this is literally what happens to the insides of us. We become distorted from what God intended us to be. In fact, Romans chapter 12 reminds us of this. It says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Margin allows for Jesus to be the one to shape who he wants you to be. I want to take a look, a quick look through scripture today at what scripture says about this. So we're going to just look through quickly some verses in the Old Testament, and then we're going to get to the New Testament and focus in on Jesus and his life. So bear with me as we kind of go quickly through some of these verses. I do have them all on the screen as well. But scripture starts off right in Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 through 3. It starts right out, a passage that many of us know. It says, on the seventh day, God finished his work of creation, and so he rested from all his work. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from the work of creation. You see, rest was always a part of the plan, you guys. God always intended for rest to be a part of the plan in your life. And what I know in scripture is if it's good enough for our creator, if it's good enough for God, then it is good enough for us. He set aside time even after creation to rest. My encouragement to you is do you set aside time? Do you take a Sabbath? Do you take rest in your life on a regular basis? I would go so far as to say rest is a spiritual assignment for each one of us. Because the Lord knows that without it, we burn out, we flame out, we give up, we run away, we never become fully who God wants us to be. And this is why I believe finding rest in your life, taking a Sabbath, allowing the Lord to renew you is a spiritual assignment. It's something we have to take seriously, as seriously as the work that's before us. And I want to encourage you in that today. Psalms 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. Most of us have heard this, but really what that verse is saying, it's really kind of a 
a stop. A stop from the motion of life to be with God, to understand who God is in your relationship to him. And a beautiful thing happens when you do this. You realize he is God and you are not. And that is something all of us need to be reminded of. In our world right now, we often get confused who's in control, who's God, who's not. Who do we give our worship to? Who do we give our, our, our life to? And when, we're, when we slow down, when we make time to be with him, we're reminded of his presence in our life and that he is God and we are not. Great passage of scripture that many of us know, Psalm 23, verses two through three says, he lets us, he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. I love that line, he renews our strength. He renews the strength in our body, our soul, our minds. I don't know about you, but probably many of us right now need our strength renewed. We're probably feeling a bit discouraged by what we see in the world right now and things going on, and we're wondering, what's next? What's the next shoe to fall? What's the next thing to happen in my life? Who's the next person to let me down, or who am I gonna let down next? And there's this need for renewal of strength. We feel a bit weak. God says, let me lead you in those beautiful pastures. Let me renew your strength. Still, spend time with me. Don't forget the most important thing, and that's your creator. Some of us here need a renewal. As we look to the New Testament, Jesus modeled the importance of making room for margin consistently in his life. In fact, it's woven all throughout the Gospels. Jesus took time constantly to get alone and pray. He would consistently get away from the crowds, consistently say, I need to take a break now. He would get up early. He would find time so that he could be with his heavenly father, so that he could be with his disciples, so he could find rest. I would like to think in those beautiful moments that there was so much laughter, so much joking between Jesus and his disciples and people that knew him. You see, those in-between moments, he realized, were so important for the moments that God had destined him for that we all read about. It says in Mark 4.42, early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place. The crowds searched everywhere for him. When they finally found him, they begged him not to leave him. In Luke 5.16, it says, but Jesus often withdrew, withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. You see, Jesus knew that he needed rest so he could be at his best. That was so important. He knew that in those in-between times that God was doing something, he was renewing, he was restoring. In fact, it was the in-between times that made Jesus ready for those kingdom moments that we read about in scripture. And yet we don't often think about the fact that what did Jesus do from the stuff that we don't read about in the days in between, the moments in between? He found margin. He found rest. He had fun. He was someone who knew what it, the importance of finding margin in his life. You see, the private makes who we are in public. I'm gonna say that one more time. The private makes who we are in public. What you do when no one's looking is who you really are. And God wants to get a hold of that part of your life too. He wants to get a hold of part of the li your life that only he can see. 
and say, I'm there. I'm with you in those moments. Don't run from me, but run to me. Jesus knew the importance of this. It was what happened in the in-between moments that made Christ prepared for the moments of miracles, for the moments that were so beautiful that we read about in Scripture. A famous Christian author, Dallas Willard, said it so beautifully. He wrote some great books. And he was asked one time, if you could summarize Jesus in one word, what would that one word be? And this was a surprising answer. He said, relaxed. And when you think about that word for a minute, you're like, relaxed. Hmm, is that like the right word to summarize Jesus? And, and then I did a little bit of kind of investigating. I, I found this quote that says, the most powerful person in the room is the person who's the most relaxed. And the reason is because there's a quiet confidence. There's a peace. There's purpose. There's a plan. They're, they're not given to anxiety or worry, but they know who they are and they know what lies ahead. And that allows them to be relaxed. And so Jesus had a ministry in which he was always in control. He was never rushed, never reactive to moments, but always ready to step into every moment that God had for him. He never seemed bothered by interruptions or as Pastor Aaron said, frosted. We never had a frosted Jesus in scripture other than maybe the temple. But Jesus was always someone who was ready and never bothered and ready to step in to a moment. Even with the weight of the world on his shoulders, he didn't become a workaholic. And I'm gonna pause there for one minute. When I say that word workaholic, some of you feel it right now. Some of you know that you don't know when to turn it off. And you, don't, you, you literally ride your life, your work schedule, right to the edge of everything, and things are suffering around you. Maybe it's your marriage or your kids or your physical well-being or something. But God never intended us to be workaholics. He, didn't, he doesn't want us to be addicted to the wrong things, but to the right thing, which is him. And so my encouragement to you is look at Jesus' life as a model for how we should live. You know, I often say, how does our family and our friends spell love? They spell it T-I-M-E. That's how they spell love. They need your time. And the only way they're gonna get your time is if you make room for it, if you make margin in your life for God to use you. How many times is our default answer when someone asks us how we're doing, do we say, I'm busy, I'm super busy? I can't tell you how many times, you know, I've said that just recently, and I feel convicted about it. It's like, oh, no, that's not the right answer. God doesn't want us to be busy when someone is in need, when someone needs prayer, when someone needs hope, when someone needs encouragement. He wants us to make margin and make room for these things in our life. In fact, I'm going to pause right here. We're just going to I'm gonna just take a margin for the dads in the room right now. Do we have any dads in the room here? We got some dads. Oh, right, there we go. Come on. All right, all right. Nicely done. These dads were louder than last service dads. All right. So we got Father's Day coming up. And you know what? What are dads known for? I'm kind of known for it too. We're known for dad jokes, right? So 
do you mind if I just practice margin and tell you a couple dad jokes real quick? Is that okay with you guys? You guys want a couple? All right, all right, all right, all right. Okay. What does a dad do who is afraid of elevators? He took steps to avoid them. A little bit of reaction last service. I may need to dust up my jokes for 5 p.m. Um, where does Bruce Wayne brush his teeth? The bat room. Nicely done. Wow, we have a winner. So good. And she said it like, bat room. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> so funny. Well, anyways, now back to our regularly scheduled programming. Um, but see, sometimes it's okay to just stop for a minute and say, you know what? We did, I just need a little fun moment. I need a dad joke. We're just going to say it and we're going to do it and we can jump right back into it. You see, we weren't meant to live our life running on the edge of everything. If we look at Jesus as an example, he lived his life between the margins. Are you living your life between the margins? Do you take space in your life for the Lord to fill you, for the Lord to give you what he wants to give you? This is so hard for us in our Western culture because our Western culture values progress. We're all about progress. We're all about innovation, education, technology, advancing to the next thing. We can never settle. There's always something more. Progress is the enemy of margin. Progress devours margin. And so we're in a, in a culture that values progress so much that we actually celebrate and honor and elevate people who live their life on the edge all the time, on the tipping point of burnout. And without even realizing it, like these are the people that we're aspiring to be like. And God is saying, no, I didn't create your life to always be living on the edge of burnout. I created you for something so much more. And if we don't watch it, we begin to think of God as a God who's pro-burnout, pro-overload, that I need to do more to, to earn more status or I, I, I need to, to, to just be busy be, for people to see that I'm important. You know, there's this principle that's often taught. It's called the difference between being and doing. This is everything in our journey with God. Being is about being a person of God. It's a character statement. Doing is important, but it's really more about, you know, the actual action, the, the doing the work of God. But we'll never be effective at doing the work of God if we're not being the people of God. Being is where the character is developed. That's where God gets on the inside and begins to do a work inside of us. You see, he's not a God that's pro-overload, but he's a God that says, take rest. I don't want you to burn out. I want you to hear from me. I want you to be able to have fun. I want you to enjoy this life that I've created for you. When we live without margins, much of what suffers in our life is the spiritual and the relational. If you're feeling spiritually in your life, like things are spiritually dead, or they're not where you want it to be, or you don't even know what spirituality is, if you're feeling like your relationships are not where they should be, they're off, I'm not giving my all to my marriage, or I missed it with that friend or with my kid, maybe you need more margin in your life. I remember years ago, I was in another busy season of life, and my son one day when I got home when he was younger, in the cutest little voice, he said, Dad, can we play catch? And he had my glove and his glove in his hand. And I said, son, I don't have time. 
And I saw the look on his face, and it's like immediately God said, you need to stop right now, and you need to make room to play catch with your son. So I, I just, we played catch a lot, but I remember this day more than any other because I didn't miss that moment. And I knew there had been other times when I had. And we went out and played catch, and I had tears coming down my face as I was throwing the ball back and forth because I saw the joy on my son's face and what it meant for me to take time to play catch with my son. And it's something I still remember to this day. See, those are the things that matter most in this life. God doesn't want our relationships or our spiritual life to suffer. And so here's some key points on why margin is so important. And I will say this, before I start this, as I was kind of preparing to share this today, this was one of those messages where the Lord really rang my bell on some things. Some things that were really personal to me that he was reminding me of, like, don't forget this. Get better at this. You can do better over here. I'm cheering you on. And so the Lord really did kind of get my attention, and who knows, maybe he'll do the same for some of you in this room. The first one is, without margins, worshiping Jesus becomes a clever disguise for actually following him. Without margins, worshiping Jesus becomes a clever disguise for actually following him. You see, guys, it happens to all of us without realizing it. Our two hours here on a Sunday morning can become the totality of our time with God in a week. It can become our total existence in faith. And without realizing it, we've relegated our whole walk with Jesus down to moments, moments on a weekend or maybe moments at a midweek program when God intended us to be followers of Christ. Followers of Christ is different than worshipers. When we worship, we, 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 we worship for moments in time. But followers of Christ, it's a 24-7 thing. It's a lifestyle. It's wherever you go. I love the saying, I live in the dust of my rabbi. It's a great saying that's from another time, back in Jesus' time. And what it meant is simply this. I followed my rabbi so closely that as his sandals walked on the dirt, his dust kicked up on me. Do you live your life that close to Jesus? Where the dust of his sandals, the dust of your rabbi kicks up on you. That's what it means to be a follower. And Jesus is calling us to be followers of him, to make margin in our life on a daily basis, to remember who's our Lord, who's our Savior, to pray, to thank him, and to have relationship with him. The second thing is, without margins, we value reputation more than character. This is so important. You see, margins, the margins of our life, the space in our life is where character is developed. That's where the fruit of the spirit that we hear about in scripture is built into our life. It's in those times that character is developed. Character is what God wants us, it's where he does the deep work in us that makes us more and more into the men and women of God that he's created us to be. Character is very different than reputation. Reputation is what others see. And if we don't watch it, we can become more, put more value on how others see us than how God sees us. We can put more value on the moments that are public moments than the private moments where God wants to develop character in our life. You see, our lives, before we know it, they become fruitless. 
You want to know the most discouraged Christian in the room or the most discouraged person? And we've all been in this seat. It's the person who feels like their life is fruitless. We're all looking for evidence that we're making a difference. We're looking for evidence that shows that we, yes, we are followers of Christ. And we're, we don't want to leave this world the same. We want to leave it better. I know that's inside of every single one of us. And God is calling you to a life that is not fruitless, but full of his fruit, full of character, full of awesome things that he will raise you up to. If you feel like you're at the end of your rope, I pray this morning remind you that the Lord is resetting your position on that rope. He's reminding you that there's more I want to do as you live your life in between the margins. The third thing that I would say today is this. Without margins, interruptions become frustrating roadblocks rather than opportunities to see God. We, we heard about this a couple weeks ago. Pastor Aaron talked about this a little bit too, but here's the thing. Um, when we don't live our life with margins, people, God moments become annoying. We don't make room for them. It's a distraction. It wasn't on my schedule. I don't have time for it. I got more important things to do. When all the while God is saying, the thing that I had for you today was right here and you missed it. You see, the God moments in your life are in the interruptions. We should be looking for the moments that are not on our calendar. We should be looking for the moments when God is saying, I want to use you in this person's life, or I want to use this person in your life, or I want you to slow down and just enjoy things a little bit more. Take it in a little bit more. You see, the Lord is trying to slow us down and say, just enjoy what I have for you. See what I have for you. There's this principle called the principle of 30 seconds, and it really is just called take an extra 30 seconds. My wife and I try to live by this. Someone taught me this years ago, and it was just this, that when amazing things happen in your life or something cool, something you admire, it could be a beautiful mountain or a cool car or whatever the thing may be that you love, take an extra 30 seconds before you move on to the next thing and just enjoy it and thank God for it. There is something so beautiful about working that muscle out of learning to stop and see God in things and thanking him and being available and being in the moment and not missing the thing that he wants you to get out of everything in your life. God doesn't want you to miss it. He wants you to be people that make room for him. The fourth thing is without margins, we numb or suppress stress and anxiety rather than using them as warning signs to slow down and rest. So many of us struggle with stress and anxiety. I've told you my story a couple of times about how in my 20s, I really wrestled with anxiety to the point of going to see a doctor and thinking that I was dying. And the Lord one day just got a hold of me and said, until you take your mind off of yourself and put it on others, you're going to continue to struggle with this. And so I literally just heard this from the Lord, started getting involved in our church more. And that's what ultimately brought it under control for me. Truth is, you still live with it. You still have it. And, but the Lord wants us to learn how to, with his strength and power, to overcome these things. However, the mistake that many of us will often make is we'll run to the wrong things. We'll run to things that numb it, to addictions, that we think will suppress it 
And all it does is it makes it worse and leave it, leaving us wanting more. We run to people, unhealthy relationships. We do things that we know we shouldn't, thinking it's gonna satisfy and it never does. And here's the thing about sin. Sin always promises what it can't deliver. Always, 100% of the time. God's grace, though, always promises what it can deliver. And so my encouragement to you in this is don't suppress the stresses and anxieties of life with the wrong things. And don't ignore them that they're warning signs of the Lord saying to you, you need to slow down. You need to find greater margin or rest in your life. You need to get alone with me. You need to have fun again. You need to be who I created you to be. Don't miss them as warning signs. God knows our breaking point. And he reminds us gently and lovingly as long as we'll listen. The fifth thing is without margins, relationships fall. Relationships fall. How many marriages, I mean, I can't tell you how many friends that I have that are struggling right now in their marriage. How many friendships do we have that end up being seasonal or we, we don't, something happens and your friendship gets sideways. The Lord's saying, make room for your spouse. Make time for the important things for your friends. Make time for the things in life that I created you for. Otherwise, these things will continue to suffer. And the Lord doesn't want us to live this way. This is why Jesus invites us to find margin in our life. You see, Jesus didn't take margin only to be with the Father. He also did it as a teaching tool for us, for his disciples. Jesus wanted to teach us the importance of this. And so we see this in a couple of different passages. John eleven fifty four. it says, as a result, Jesus stopped his public ministry among the people and left Jerusalem. He went to a place near the wilderness to the village of Ephraim and stayed there where his disciples were. You see, Jesus knew there were times when he needed to stop his ministry and stop work and get away and be with his people, be with his followers, be with his friends. Matthew 6, 6, also the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus reminds us of the importance of this. He says, but when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private and then your father who sees you will reward you. And I love this last passage right here in Mark chapter six, verses 31 through 32. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his disciples didn't even have time to eat. So they left, they left by the boat for a quiet place where they could find some time alone. I love the passage of scripture where Jesus says, come follow me, those of you who are weary, who are burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus is inviting you to his rest. He's inviting you to a different space in your life. You don't have to live on the edge anymore. You don't have to live feeling like you're just a day away from burnout. You don't have to live without room for the Lord to shape you into who he wants you to be. He's inviting you to this. In fact, if we look at Jesus' life, he made a commitment to margin and rest so much in his life here on earth that this is where he began his ministry, was out of margin. It's how he focused on prayer. It's how he prepared for a major task, how he recharged after hard work. It's how he made important decisions. It's how he dealt with troubling emotions in times of stress and grief. It's how he dealt with constant demands of his ministry. It's how he cared for his soul, 
how he taught his disciples, how he prepared for every important life event, and how he ultimately prepared for his death on the cross. It came out of his times away. It came out of the margin of his life. And so I want to give you guys three practical things right now that you can do to start to build greater margin in your life. The first one is start earlier. Start earlier. I don't know about you, but getting up early sometimes does not sound like an enjoyable thing. Sometimes you just want to push that snooze button, right? Just sleep a little bit longer. You guys should know that because you're the 11 o'clock service. Just kidding. Um, <clears throat> maybe this message was for you guys and our 5 p.m. No, I'm kidding. Um, but getting up earlier, starting your day earlier is something that's so powerful. I mean, even I push my snooze button so many times, but I'll tell you, on the days when I get up earlier and I get alone, I get alone with the Lord, however it plays out, whether it's scripture, prayer, singing, just looking at his beautiful creation, I never regret it. And here's the reason why, because getting alone before the noise of the day begins is so important. It's when we're in tune with what God has for us. Now, I'm not saying the only place to connect with the Lord is in the morning. You can find time throughout the day, but there is something powerful about this principle of starting your day earlier, whatever that means for you, and using that as time to connect with the Lord. Proverbs 12, 27 gives this cool principle. It says, a lazy person does not roast his prey, but the precious possession of of a person is diligence. And here's the interesting thing, that word diligence right there, if we look at the etymology or the, where the word came from, that word actually comes from the word daily. It's where we get the word daily. And it's actually the word daily is what started the word daylight. So diligence is about getting up the first part of a day. It's diligently seeking. In this passage, that is what the word diligence means starting your day earlier. You see, develop an ability to be diligent more, to diligently seek the Lord, to diligently take margin to hear from him. In fact, Mark reminds us of this in Mark 135. It says about Jesus, and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. Another thing is, my second thing I want to kind of give you as, a, as something to hold on to is called, what fills your tank? And so um, if we have, if this jar of water right here represents kind of your emotional health, your life, who you are on the inside, are you full of life or are you running on empty? I have a question. Do you know what fills your tank? Do you know what drains your tank? In other words, what are the things in your life where you lose strength, where you lose life. It could be, I don't know, people being late, traffic, certain things. There's things in this life that drain us, right? And here's what's gonna happen, whether we realize it or not, our life is gonna be in this constant state of drain. But the important thing for us to realize as the drain is happening is what are the things that drain us? Because then what I want you to do is I want you to focus on the things that fill you that fill your tank. And so this week, what I'm asking you guys to do is think about, think about five things in your life that drain your tank. Five things so that when they happen, you're in tune, you're aware, oh my gosh, this is that thing that drains me. 
I need to make margin for something that fills me. And so whatever fills your tank, reading a book, having a cup of coffee, watching a movie, time with a friend, taking a hike, whatever it is, because here's the thing, you weren't meant to live your life on empty. You weren't meant to live your life like this. God wants to fill this space with something great. He wants to fill this space with life so that you once again will live your life with a full tank. This is how the Lord intended us to live. And so my encouragement to you is think about what fills your tank. Know what fills your tank and act on it this week. Make room in your calendar every week for the things that fill you. And finally, make boundaries. Someone told me a long time ago that one of the most spiritual words you can say is no. It's okay to say no. And that's hard for me to even say it. I love saying yes to people. But it is important to say no. There is something so deeply profound in it. God created our lives to be lived in a healthy space within boundaries. And when you create boundaries, you make room for the right things. You make margin for the things in your life. So maybe what you need to make boundaries for is, um, you know, maybe you need more time with your spouse. And so you put that on your calendar. I need a date night with my wife. And I'm going to do it regularly. Maybe it's every week or once a month. So that when somebody else asks you to do something, you can say, no, I can't because I have something on my calendar. Maybe it's uh, time with God. I, I will often put time with God on my calendar as well. It is so important that we have boundaries so that we make room for what God wants to do in our life. God didn't intend us to live our life on the edge. He wants you to live your life with boundaries. And so as we're closing out this series on making room, the whole reason for making room, the whole reason for margin so God can develop you into who he wants you to be, the whole reason not to get bothered by things or to make room for the one thing, Jesus, it's all about us making a difference in this world for the Lord. It's all about building God's kingdom and seeing people find Jesus. When we look at our world around us, there's so much to be discouraged about, but the Lord wants to remind you and me, I'm not finished yet. Every one of these empty seats right here could be a person that could be in them, that God wants to reach, that doesn't know Jesus yet as our Lord and Savior. You see, this whole series is about that. So you can make room for the Lord to make you who he wants you to be so that you can make a difference in this world. Now, you might be saying right now, but I'm not a pastor. I'm not, a, I'm not someone that's really good at like, sharing Jesus with people. It's not about that. It's about you being positioned in a place where God can use you, where you make room for him to use your life. I have a question as I close. Has anybody ever here, has anybody here ever heard of Albert McMacklin? Albert McMacken. Anybody ever heard of that name, Albert McMacken? Okay, I see one hand there. We had one hand last service. Perfect. Um, Albert is someone that most people do not know. Albert was a farmer. He was a 24-year-old farmer on the East Coast, and this was years ago, and he worked on a farm, and there was a farmer who, who, who he knew who had a son, a 16-year-old boy, and this boy was kind of in a little bit of a tough season as a 16-year-old. In fact, his youth group said he couldn't be a part of the youth group because he was too worldly. He was um, trying to find the right girlfriend, in and out of girlfriends, and just kind of floundering. And 
Albert saw this boy and he really cared about him. And he said, hey, there's this service happening and I'd love to invite you to go to it with some other people I'm bringing, would you like to go? And this young farming boy said no at first and said no a few more times. And Albert had this idea as he pursued him, as he made margin and room in his life to pursue this young farming boy. He said, hey, why don't you drive my truck to the, to the church meeting? Would you like to do that? Every 16-year-old boy wants to drive a truck, right? And so this young farming boy said, okay, fine. If I can drive your truck, I'll go to this meeting. And so Albert McMacken, who most people don't know, took this young farming boy to this service. And this young farming boy was so moved by what he heard about Jesus, came back over the course of a few nights. Eventually, this young man, Billy Graham, walked forward to receive Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Now, here's the thing I want you to catch in this story. Not everybody can be Billy Graham. Billy Graham, as we know, spoke to 2.2 billion people and thousands and thousands of people found Jesus because of his life. But everybody can be Albert McMacken. Everybody has that ability if you make room, if you look for those moments. That's what changes the world, you guys. It's the Alberts of the world. It's you, not you, you and me. Hello, I was a little off there. <laughs> um, but God wants to use you. Who knows who's that next person that God's going to reach through you? I want you to be an Albert. I want you to rise up and make room for what God wants to do in your life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for what you're reminding us of today, the importance of margin in our life and why we need to take it, God, so that we can be who you've created us to be. May we never miss that fact, God, to make room for you in our life. And so I'm just gonna ask right now, if there is anyone in this room who feels a tug on their heart and is just saying, you know what, I need to make more room. I don't have enough margin. I'm on the edge of burnout. I'm feeling it. I want what we talked about today. I want more time for the things that matter most in my life. I want my tank to be full again. If that's you, I'm just gonna ask you, and I'm gonna be the first one doing this, to stand up wherever you're at. And I'm standing right now too. Just stand up wherever you're at, and I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God will give you the margin and the room in your life to step into the fullness of what God has for you. Yes, I see you guys standing all over the room. Is there any more that would join me and those standing up right now that are saying, I want to make room for what matters most. I want to be an Albert in somebody else's life. Let me pray for those standing right now. Lord, I just pray for all those standing in the room right now. Lord, that you would just... Show them how to make margin in their life. Make time, more and more time for the things that matter most. Time with you. Time for relationships that are important. Time to enjoy this beautiful creation. Time to laugh. Lord, I pray that my friends in this room would have that margin, that they would fill their tanks again, God. They weren't meant to live on the edge, God, of burnout. They weren't meant to live on the edge of the breaking point. But God, I pray for a renewal right now in the lives of those standing in Jesus' name. And I'm gonna invite you to stand down or sit down and everyone with your eyes 
closed and your head bowed. If there is anyone in this room right now that feels a tug in their heart, they heard that story about Billy Graham, maybe something today reminded them, like, I want that. I want Jesus. I need that in my life. I need his grace. I need purpose. I want to be relaxed for the first time in years. If that's you and you need Jesus in your life, I'm going to invite you to raise your hands right now, wherever you're at. With every, yes, I see you right there. Anybody else in the room? I see you over there. Yes, anybody else says, I need this. I need Jesus. I need to commit my life to him. I'm tired of the way my life is going. Just keep your hands raised. Someone's going to come real quick, quietly, and pray with you and give you a Bible. Anybody else in the room right now? I'm going to pray for those hands raised in the room. If you're online, you can simply type, I need Jesus, and someone will pray with you. Just pray with me. Jesus, I need you. I want to give my life to you. I'm tired of my life living on the edge. Lord, would you just come in and be my Lord and Savior? Forgive me, God, for the things that I know that I've done that are wrong. Forgive me, God, for being a sinner. But Lord, I do believe in you. I do need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for raising from the dead for me, Lord. So God, come into my life now. And would you pray this last thing if your hand was raised? Lord, would you send people into my life that would help show me what it means to be a follower of Christ? In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. It's so good. Thank you, Lord. Okay.